0: Welcome to House to Home Podcast. It's here that we'll learn how to cultivate an eternal haven in our temporary world. So grab a cup of coffee, do the dishes, or even take a drive in your car. Whatever it is you do while listening, I hope you feel right at home. Welcome everyone. Today we are continuing our Fruit of the Spirit series. So, we already discussed the first fruit of the spirit listed, which was love. You can go back and check that episode out. It's titled Love in the Home. And we also did a kids' podcast on love titled Valentine's Day in Love, where we also discussed the history of Valentine's Day. And then today's episode is Joy in the Home. So, Joy is the next fruit listed, and we're going to focus in on that. And we will also bring you a kids' podcast, not this week, but next week. And it will be titled Birthdays and Joy. So, we're going to talk a little bit about birthdays with our kids and celebrations, and then talk about the fruit of the spirit, joy, with them as well. So when talking about joy, I do think it's good to give a definition. And just like love, this is a hard thing to pin down. I don't think that one definition just does it well. Like love, a lot of people think these are strictly feelings, and they're not. But we're going to kind of try to give a definition if we can. And I have my husband here with us again today. And he's going to do that.
1: I wondered if you were going to say anything.
0: <laughs> You're here. <laughs> I
1: was just going to appear. And... Oh, Mason's here.
0: Enora's actually Anora's here, here, too. too.
1: It's Enora's birthday, so everyone tell Enora happy birthday when you get this. It's going to be a couple days late, but make sure to tell her happy birthday. What is joy? Oh, I don't know. This is your podcast. <laughs> so I actually wasn't planning on being on this podcast, so I'm horribly unprepared, uh, but it was Bree's idea for me to come and join the podcast and I'm happy to be here and do that. And I'm just going to kind of give my two cents here and there um, as she goes through this podcast and add in what I think. But she asked me earlier when I was eating lunch, what is joy? And I told her, and it it took me a second to get a good definition. And I still want to be slow to that. It's still new. I just thought of it a minute ago, but when I think of joy, I think of a deep um, satisfaction Paired with delight in something. That something, of course, as Christians, we would say would be God. Uh, find our deep longings met in who God is and his wholeness and his fullness. And we, we find that delight as we look to him and gaze on him. And anytime we don't have that, that's when we have the lack of joy. That's when all the world starts to kind of cave in and crumble. Uh, because we have a lack of that communion and connection to that one who is the source of satisfaction, who is the source of delight um, and the source of meaning. And that's really what happens as as a result of finding meaning. We have joy. So when we know who we are, we know who God is, and we know what's going on in the world, that's when you get joy.
0: I think that's a good definition. So I just asked him, yeah, like he said, over lunch, what he thought joy was. And I had already had this podcast written out. And I was having a hard time finding, for myself, a definition of joy that satisfied me. <laughs> um, because most things that I read, even from Christian sources, said it's a deep or an inner feeling. And I don't disagree with that. I think it is a deep deep feeling of the soul. So despite how your body feels, or even your mind, your spirit, somehow, this is like a confusing thing to explain, somehow still has joy, satisfaction, like you said. So I can be utterly depressed even, I think, but the Christian still has joy. And that's a hard thing to explain, especially to people who aren't Christians, or who have walked through depression as a non-Christian. I think it's a hard thing to explain that I can be sad, I can even be depressed, but still joyful. Does that make sense? You're shaking your head. It
1: does, but I don't think that you can experience the full sense of what the scriptures speak of when they're talking about joy and be depressed at the same time. I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think think so. I think that you can be in hard situations and still experience a degree of joy. I think that you can have your world crumbling like job and yet still have joy in the fact that you know who god is but that's really your only hope that's your only joy but contrary to what many people say i do think that joy doesn't just relate to the soul i think it relates to the bodies and the Mm. and the way that we feel things too so joy is even more full when you experience it not just in your soul but also in your body
0: Right. So yeah. it's, it can be fuller at times, I guess you can say, or you can have more of it right. than at other times. Right. And I think... But there should never be a complete lack of it as a Christian. Right. Because it is a fruit that the Spirit gives you despite circumstances. Right. And I think
1: it's it comes in degrees. I mean, um, David says in Psalm 51, when he's grieving um, his sin... He says, "Restore to me the mm-hmm. joy of my salvation." So he had a lack of joy, right. even in his salvation. He forgot the gospel, and that's really what it all comes down to: is when we have a lack of joy, what it is is we're we're forgetting and not remembering the good news in Jesus Christ, which supersedes everything else. If you know that, if you know what the gospel is, you can have hope. You can have joy, um, but you can have it even more full. When that touches other things, too, besides just your heart, besides just your soul, when your heart is full of joy and you start to produce good works out of the fullness of your heart and your joy and your soul, then you're going to have an even heightened pleasure because you're going to get to see the joy of others, too, right. as you bring your good works and they glorify your Father in heaven. There's going to be a, a fullness and a complete um, a complete cycle there that you wouldn't have otherwise. So, yes... Joy does relate to the soul, yes, joy does relate to the heart, Um, but it also relates to the body, relates to how we experience things, and um, it's very tangible at times, too. I think about, like, the Incarnation. Uh, We didn't know Christ, the Word, in in, an as-full sense until He came in the Incarnation. When Jesus came, it says that we now experience His fullness because He's been incarnated. Now, his soul has always been there, but when he took on human flesh, we had a new degree of glory that we could perceive that we didn't have beforehand. And it's the same with joy. I think that joy grows in our bodies.
0: Right. And, well, you're right. It's like a crushed spirit will create a crushed body, but a joyful or cheerful spirit can actually even lift like a physically decaying Mm -hmm. body. And it reminds me of the psalm. I, I don't know where it's at. But a cheerful spirit brings life to the body, but envy rots the bones. That's one of Enora's memory scriptures. I
1: think it might be a proverb, isn't it?
0: Uh, you, Maybe. That's probably a proverb. Yeah. A cheerful spirit. And it, this is...
1: I think it says good news, actually. You can look it, it up. I'm going to look it up.
0: Look it up. A cheerful spirit brings life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Something of that sort.
1: I thought it was good news is healing to the bones. And it says the light of the eyes rejoices the heart. The, and good news refreshes the bones.
0: So, yeah. So I think of joy as something that endures hardships and trials, and it connects with meaning and purpose. So I mean, kind of like um, we pursue, we choose, we even fight for joy at times, and it helps us to realize that even in a trial, there is a bigger meaning and there's a bigger purpose. I'm just thinking of the times that I've been in depression and actually even just... This last couple months have been hard for me. While we're in a season where we're kind of questioning, like, God, why me? We're still able to pray the prayer that Mary prayed in Luke one thirty eight. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. But I think that's a really risky thing to do in our fallen world. It's risky to have joy um, because really joy is to have joy is to have hope. It's to hope and to assume that there's redemption. Even if the redemption isn't here and now, even if it's not seen, it's a faith And the fact that we know redemption is coming. And that then reminds me of the scripture in James, James 1, 2 through 4, that says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Not when everything is good, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. steadfastness, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So I think that if we try to shield ourselves from disappointment, then really... We're shielding ourselves from joy, and you kind of see this in the person that's bitter, that doesn't want to get their hopes up. Maybe a lot has happened to them. Maybe they've lost a lot, or maybe they're just a pessimistic, negative person because they know if they talk too high of a talk or they get their hopes up, then really they're setting themselves up for disappointment, but I think in reality, they're shielding themselves from joy when we're not allowing ourselves to be humble and vulnerable enough to put our trust into God and to say to him like Mary did, be it to me according to your word then really we're we are we're missing out on, yeah, we might miss out on some of the hurt, but really we're missing out on a lot of the joy, too, that can even come from the trial.
1: Right, and the, the thing that brings the joy is not the trial itself. It's the reality that there is a bigger picture, that there's a greater meaning ahead, and that's why Christ himself, when he's going to the cross, it's written about him that he did it for the joy Mm-hmm. that was set before him. So he endured suffering. He went through hardship. Um, and His soul was even downcast um, in that time. He w- he was pleading with the Father to take away that cup of suffering. He was in pain and he was hurting, but he did it with a greater purpose at hand. That's, that's the whole thing that brought him joy. It was that he had purpose and he had meaning and he knew what he was doing. And on the other side of that, he was able to see that because... Uh, he did that. Now our joy can be complete Mm -hmm. and his joy could be complete. So that's going back to that cycle that I was kind of talking about earlier. Joy is fulfilled and complete and bigger when it's, when it involves sacrifice and then letting another person receive joy from that. And then you get joy from that and it goes back and forth.
0: Yeah, that's good. So um, how do you think we pursue joy or have joy when circumstances in the home specifically are less than joyful. I think of things like, um, chronic pain. We just had our episode on chronic pain and illness. Um, maybe you have marriage problems. Maybe you've lost a loved one or have experienced loss of some sense. Maybe you even just have spiritual fatigue or you feel like you're in a depressed state. Um, I think you kind of talked about it a little bit.
1: I think it's seeing past that. It's, It's realizing that there is a greater purpose at hand, that if the scriptures are true, that God is really providentially working all things together for the good of those who love him, then you're able to say with a little bit of hope, or with a lot of hope, actually, that what I'm going through is going to eventually be for my good. So that's why it comes back to reminding yourself of the gospel because you have to remember or reconnect with who God is in order to have that fullness in your soul, because you can forget it. You can have that disconnect, which is you focusing only on the moment, only on the circumstances, whatever the thing is, if it's cancer, if it's depression, if it's anxiety, all those things, if you fixate yourself on those, you're going to get tied up into it, and you're going to become one with it rather than Mm -hmm. one with God. So when you interact with your anxiety, when you try to fight your depression, what you really become is depressed. You become <laughs> what you're fighting against. And what we need to do is interact much more with who God is, much more with what the gospel says. And we want to become like that because what we are, what we, are, we are what we worship. And whether we realize it or not, what we can do sometimes by giving those circumstances, those trials, whatever they are, more attention than they deserve. We're in some ways worshiping that. We're getting kind of Mm -hmm. tied up into it and believing a lie and living a reality that we don't have to live.
0: Yeah, we're giving it more power than it needs. Right. I like the quote by St. Augustine too that says, Father, command what you will and grant what you command. Because sometimes I think when you're in a very hopeless state, you feel like joy is just so far gone and a thing to remember about the fruit of the Spirit is that these are not works of the flesh, but they are fruit of the spirit. They're things that the spirit comes and gives us. So he quickens. He comes, he breathes life into our body, and he quickens our spirit to then produce these. So if we're feeling like we can't produce joy and we're just bummed that we can't be joyful, I think we need to rely less on ourselves, basically what you're saying, think about yourself less and um, rely more on Christ, whether that looks like deeper prayer life or um, more time in the word or talking to someone about it. I don't know exactly what it looks like because each situation is so different. And I think we can kind of talk about the practicalities of it. Um, I think a big one is obedience and repentance. But
1: yeah, going back to that St. Augustine quote that um, context of that is St. Augustine making the, the point that God has commanded all these things that were powerless to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes some people very angry when they <laughs> say, well, how could God command something right. that I don't have the ability to do? Well, he, he commands all kinds of things mm-hmm. um, that we don't have the ability to do. But St. Augustine's point is, like you said, it's reliance on God. So he commands right. these things like the law. We could not live up to the law. The scripture says that it, it, we could not live up to it. It was meant to be a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. And it leads us to Christ. And its whole purpose is to point us to Jesus, to God, to make us realize that we can't do it. Right. And then when we realize that, when we uh, humble ourselves and come to God for help, that's when we get that fullness of joy. That's when we get those longings satisfied because we do have the longings. We do have the hurt. We do have the depression. We have all of that. And when we look at the law constantly and get fixated on what we need to be doing, what we have to do, like get get this task done in the home, get this thing done or that thing done or have this image or that or whatever it is. When you fixate on that and you try to do it yourself and you try to hold everything together, you will be anxious. Yeah. You'll be a mess. But when you let your uh, grip go of the control of all those things and not trying to live your life up to all these standards, but actually shift and say, actually, I'm going to live my life just how God wants me to live. I'm going to I'm going to live free. I'm going to live by the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, uh, there is freedom. So I'm going to live in that kind of way, and I'm going to have joy. When I when I connect with the Spirit and live by the Spirit, I'm going to get the fruits of the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy.
0: Yeah. I think of it, too, um, joy can't be manufactured. So it's not mm-hmm. like you're saying you can't strive for it. It's um, it's the product of an intimate and constant relationship with the Lord. So nearness to God is going to create joy. It does become something that you can taste, you can feel, you can enjoy. Um, it's not something that will just bring temporary happiness. Because if your relationship with the Lord is constant and you're in constant fellowship with Him, in reality, you're going to be in constant joy. You know what I mean?
1: Right, but that can wax and wane like like we talked about. It, it works right. in degrees. right. And, and, you're not
0: always going to be at a high I'm not saying that right. by any means right? you're going to have lows
1: <laughs> right but it's always offered there too I think that's what's important Is there's no point in the Christian life where joy isn't at your own fingertips like it's a, it's within your reach at all yeah. times because God is near to us he's near to the right. broken hearted he's near right. to those who are crying and weeping over whatever whatever it might be says that God bottles up our tears mm-hmm. so he's there all the time and he's extending himself to us. And it's our job to humble ourselves and say, I can't hold this all together. I can't do this. I, I need help. And when we turn to God, that's when we get the joy.
0: Well, you said it's always it's always within reach because he is always near. And mm-hmm. the word says that in the presence of him is fullness of joy. In my presence is right. fullness of joy. So in his presence, when you are in his presence, which is always, like you said, it's always an option because he's always there it's whether you're being open to that yeah. or not, then there will be fullness of joy. So delighting in him, delighting in his word, yeah. loving him, that's going to bring joy. Yeah. And so I kind of wanted to talk about obedience and repentance because I think in regards to the home life, how you find joy. So obviously it starts in your heart first, and we've talked about that. We've talked about mm-hmm. the intimacy with the Lord, being in relationship with him. That's constantly there. It's available to you at all times. There's never gonna be a time where the Lord is pushing you away. He is always there, always welcoming you back in, always chasing you. So that is always an option there for you. So if your relationship with him is right, then you're gonna be a joyful person. But in regards to the home life, it takes a team, right? People hear like, if mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. But it's really if child is not (laughs) But if dad's not happy, nobody's happy. I mean, if you live in a home with other people, you know that one person's mood can change the whole atmosphere of the home life. And I think in order to be in a joyful state in the home, I think it takes every single person there working as a team being constant, being in constant obedience and fellowship with the Lord and with one another and constant repentance because we know we're going to fail. And I just think of homes that didn't grow up so much with that, that didn't grow up saying, sorry, that didn't grow up saying my bad. That was my fault. And then getting back in fellowship right away. I think of homes that, um, they never heard their mom say, sorry, they never heard their dad say, sorry, that was not a thing. Uh, and you probably had a joy that lack or a house that lacked joy because of that, that lacked love, that lacked fellowship. And if there's no fellowship, in the home, there is no joy.
1: Right. And it wouldn't be a complete lack of all those things. I'm sure your parents loved you. I'm sure your parents experienced joy with you to some extent, but as we were saying again, joy can work in degrees. You can, you can have little bitty snippets of joy that just barely get you through your life, or you can Mm -hmm. live your life supremely happy, Mm -hmm. the the life abundant that Jesus talks about. And I think that's what Christians are meant to live in is that supremely happy, uh, supremely joyous. And, um, even exciting life, because life really is exciting. When yeah. you tune into what's actually happening, what God is actually doing in the world, how we see those scriptures, like God is rec- reconciling all things to himself. Like, that's amazing. When you, when you realize the bigger purpose that, um, that's going on, you can have a really great life of joy, but it really does come down to getting your perspective right, getting your mind right, not being so focused on the moment, whatever yeah. is going on.
0: So it reminds me of the prayer Compline, which is also known as the night prayer. And I have read this several times since reading A Prayer in the Night by Tish Warren. I'll just read it some nights, um, or I'll pray it over the children. But the prayer itself says, Keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying. Soothe the suffering. Pity the afflicted. Shield the joyous and all for your love's sake. Amen. And that shield the joyous part is what I wanted to point out. You were talking about, you know, just having a fullness of joy. And in her book, Tish Warren says, just as this prayer reminds us that each night there are people who are sick or dying or suffering or afflicted, it also brings to mind those whose night sparkles with beauty, hope, and joy. Somewhere there is a young couple spending their first evening together as husband and wife. There are travelers seeing northern lights. There are people clinking champagne glasses. There are families curled up happily in pajamas watching their favorite movie. There are friends gathered around a meal, trading stories, drunk with talk, not wanting the night to end. These moments are sacramental. They participate in a reality that is sacred and sturdy. And yet we know these good gifts can be lost. And one day when we die... All will be lost for a little while, yet we believe that joy will remain. Joy must therefore be more than simply happiness. So Christians unapologetically embrace that good earthy gifts bring joy, even as we also proclaim an enduring joy that remains even when all pleasures are burned away. She also goes on to talk about a little nine-year-old boy at her church who asked his mom, he said, what does shield the joyous mean? She She responded, the mom said, we ask God to protect the people who are partying so they can party in peace and not be disturbed by some mean dude. She said, I think this is a brilliant interpretation. This prayer is no less than a plea for God to preserve celebration that those who party may party in peace. And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about. If you're the person that's always pessimistic and negative and bitter and trying not to be joyful, really that is, I think, taking more effort. I think it almost takes more effort to be depressed than it does it takes
1: more muscles to frown <laughs> than it does to smile
0: <laughs> but seriously as a christian i feel like it takes a lot more effort to be not joyful to I, have a lack yeah, of think joy so too. Yeah, it i does. mean it's miserable you know what i mean you're making yourself miserable it is
1: but it's our natural tendency just like it's our natural tendency not to want to work like we will work harder to not work than we could actually just work
0: Yeah, but if that makes sense. But you do feel miserable, right? Yeah, you feel miserable while you're doing it because you're
1: trying to evade the thing that you should be doing. But we do that even in our lives when it comes to joy. Like we try to like self-medicate and just like make ourselves get back to where we should. We start popping all kinds of supplements and pills and like – Doing all these weird things that we found on the internet, like these cocktails that we take or these uh, <laughs> He's stretches. He's talking about me, guys. He's these, talking about me. <laughs> these stretches that we can do or this certain exercise. And like we race through the, the, the world and all the things that they have that are supposed to give us joy and give us mental stability and happiness and uh, make us satisfied. And they just all fail. They mm-hmm. do. They really do. I mean, yes, some of those things work for a while. Yeah, I've taken ashwagandha, and it works sometimes. Um, And yeah, magnesium helps me sleep at night. Yeah, those kind of things, like, those are great, whatever. But they're not going to give you the joy that you're actually longing for. The longing that you have can't be met by anything other than God himself, because he's who made you, he's who gave you the purpose in your life, and if you're not connected to him who gives you purpose, who speaks over your life, what he will, and all of that, if you don't connect with him, you're, you're going to lose it. You're going to have your life in shambles. Yeah.
0: And how do you stay in connection with him and in fellowship with him?
1: The means of grace. Yeah. That's what I would say. I mean, I'm not prepared for this podcast. I know it's, <laughs> it's about the home, but like, I mean, that's, that's the way that we find um, the grace that we need to get through the day. The means of grace being uh, the word of God, both preached and read, um, the sacraments and prayer. So they're very simple things. It's the things that all the Christians and the uh, Bible thumpers are beating you over the heads with, but it's the things that work. I mean, when you're abiding in God's Word, seeing what He tells you about yourself, the one that knows you better than you know yourself, you're going to have joy. When you come to God in prayer and you're in close communion with Him and you're uh, ruminating over what He said and meditating on His Word day and and night, you're going to be blessed. You're going to find that you're Like a tree planted beside still waters, your mind isn't going to be racing. You're going to know what's going on when you are coming to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. You're going to realize that God has given you his body and his blood, and it's for you. He's given it for you, and he did it for the joy that was set before him, and that's going to complete your joy because you're going to realize that he loved you so much that he gave his body and his blood for you. So what can you do for him? You can live in self-sacrifice back to him. You can live a life of joy knowing that by giving yourself sacrificially to others i mean remembering your baptism what god says about you what he said when you were claimed by him it's, it's not so much about what we say about god and baptism as much as it is about what god says about us like you remember what he says and that connects you back to that comfort that you find there
0: The fact of the matter is, is you're going to fail and you're going to fall short. And like you're saying, you need to remember, you need to remember your baptism. You need to remember what Christ has done with you. And so I think in order to remember, you have to be prepared to repent and you're going to have to be prepared to do that. I think each and every day, like you're going to have to, in order to stay in fellowship. So talking specifically about the home, how to keep just a practical way, how to keep joy in your home life would be to constantly be in one obedience to the law of God and obedience to, like you're saying, reading your Bible and staying and stuff with him, but then also um, staying in fellowship by repenting, repenting to the Lord and repenting to, repenting to those around you. So um, just in home life, this practically looks like leading with joy as parents. So helping your children to be obedient, not shame, shame after shame after shame, law after law after law. There will be no joy. Now, that's not to say there shouldn't be rules in the home, because we also know that rules can create a beautiful oasis where joy can, uh, in the Lord there is freedom, um, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we know that freedom comes by not being bound by sin. So the world would like to say, well, we have freedom to sin and to do whatever we want. You know, I can, I can do all of these worldly things, these things that are sin, sexual immoralities, drunkenness, all of these things, whatever they may be, the list goes on, any works of the flesh that you can think of. The world thinks that is freedom, but the Bible tells us that, no, that is actually being a slave to sin, that we're in bondage when we can't be freed from those sins. We're not finding joy, but in the Lord, There's going to be freedom. So in obedience, we find joy in the home.
1: Yeah, and getting back to how joy relates to the home. Yes, obedience is the way. But when you look at the law and you mourn, you weep, and you see, I I didn't live up to it. Um, I didn't hit the standard, yada, yada, yada. I want my house to be joyful. I want it to look this way. I listened to Breeze and Mason's podcast and... They just talked about how happy the home could be, and mine just isn't that. Well, the scriptures give us advice. How do we move forward from here? How do we build healthy, happy, joyous homes? And I would say it's the same advice that the scriptures tell us um, in general. That The joy of the Lord is our strength. This is what happened. It's almost precisely what happened um, in um, Nehemiah when Ezra reads the law. They had found the law. Um, they read it to the people, and the people weep. They say, "Oh my goodness, we're not doing any of this stuff. We wish that we had all these these. Um, we had, wish that we had all this obedience, uh, but they didn't. And they start to mourn and they weep, and um, they're told to not weep, not to mourn, but to lift up their heads. Essentially, it says to drink sweet wine, to eat the fat, and to let the joy of the Lord be their strength. And I think that's how we start to do this. That's how we build our healthy homes. Is we humble ourselves, we come to the Lord in repentance and recognize that when we're close to Him, that's going to build our homes to be more resilient. It's going to be our strength. So when we're talking about how do we how do we make a home that is resilient against depression, that's resilient against um, anxiety and those kind of things, it's going back to that: is being close to the Lord, being in His presence. Because you can have joy in the midst of those things. Um, you can have Joy in the midst of deep depression, because I, I truly do think that Job was depressed uh, when when all of his loved ones were dying around him, when he's scraping boils off of his skin and just sitting in the dirt and the ashes, and his wife is telling him to curse God. Job had to have been depressed, and yet he was also deeply close to who God was and knew that while he couldn't make sense of all the circumstances, no, he couldn't say why that was happening. To him. Yet at the end of the day, he still knew that God was God and that he was going to worship him. And through his worship of God, he was going to find joy. So you can find joy anywhere, even in the midst of suffering by always coming back to that.
0: Yeah, I think that's good. So I think for our listeners, something to kind of gauge, okay, if you have a lack of joy in the home, so say there's going to be two sides to this. So you might be listening and you might say, okay, I have a lot of joy in the home. Then I would encourage you to pray that prayer, shield the joyous, like shield my home, help us to remain joyous, um, knowing kind of that something might happen, you know what I mean? But Lord, shield us, shield our home, keep it joyful. Because the fact of the matter is, is you can be a joy, a home that has joy and you can grow toward, towards that. I can actually say in my life, my life has over the span of these years, um, from childhood to marriage to now having my own children, I am a more joyful person, and it's not because circumstances; it's just because of the Lord being gracious to me and sanctifying me, and so He can do that for you in your home. So, if you are a home that is joyful, pray that prayer, shield the joyous. But maybe. You're like gauging it, and you're thinking, "Okay, I'm not a very joyful home, or um, this isn't a very joyful place to be. I myself don't feel very joyful." And so, I think you can kind of check yourself: Um, Is it a sin problem? Is it the fact that you have things that um, you're bitter about, things that you're holding in, things that you need to repent of to the Lord, or to repent of to your children, or to your husband, to the people that are around you? Because the fact of the matter is, is you will be miserable until you. Repent, and so that may be um, a mom saying, "Listen, I, for the last few months, maybe even years, I've been an angry mom. You know what I mean? I've I've held in bitterness. I've not been very joyful, and I I've just been a bitter, angry mom. And so." Maybe literally even sitting your family down and saying, I'm sorry, and I'm going to work towards this. Realizing that tomorrow when you wake up, you might fall again, like you might snap at the kids. You will fall again. You will fall again. You (laughs) might be angry again. But instead of holding on to that and just trying to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps, It's that moment that you mess up saying to your children or to whoever you flipped out on or whoever saw you in that sin, going to your children or going to your husband and saying, I'm sorry, and continuing to do that all throughout the day. It doesn't matter if it takes 50 times um, doing that. And guess what? The more you do that, the softer your heart becomes. Repentance is going to create in you a soft heart. That may be one example. Okay, maybe it's a sin problem. Maybe it's something that you need to move past. And the only way you can move past that is by continuing over and over to repent. Or it might be something from the outside hitting you. And this is what Mason and I have talked about. In those moments, your how he's been talking about joy kind of comes in, what were you saying? In degrees. Yeah. Your joy may be at a lower degree or it may be at a higher degree. But maybe you've experienced loss. Maybe you, you've experienced, um, like we've talked about, chronic illness or um, a blow to your finances Something that is outside of your control, that you can't control it, yet you can still control how you react to that circumstance. So you can find a lack of joy in that as well. Um, But the reality is, as like Mason's saying, you can be like Job in that moment, who you're still close to the Lord because you are walking in repentance. You're walking in obedience to him. And so you can still be close to the Lord. So in those moments, I think it's actually possible to feel a very strong joy, yet also You could even be like feeling a strong depression, if that makes sense, because something outside of your control is happening. And in those moments, I think it's just, it's wise to just stay close to the Lord. And, um, yeah, I guess those are two things to kind of check. Do you have a lack of joy because it's an outside source and it's something happening to you? Or do you have a lack of joy because of your own disobedience? Because I think if it's your own disobedience, um, you're going to be pretty miserable. Whereas if it's an outside source, like Job, you can still be close to the Lord and still in his presence um, yet be struggling being like having a trial, being sad, being depressed, yet still having a very full joy. But if it is your own disobedience or your own sin problem, you're going to be miserable and you're not going to be feeling that high degree of joy until you get right with the Lord and with those around you.
1: Yeah. And some, some practical things too, like what do we actually do though to make our house a more joyous home? I think that there are, boots on the ground things that you can do. It's not just all spiritualizing and just getting your mind right. I think there's actual tangible bodily things that you can do. I think that feasting is a great way to bring Mm -hmm. joy to the home. Um, Celebration, eating with friends, having communion with friends, and keeping the focus on Christ, keeping the focus on who God is, rejoicing in what he's done. Um, those, Those kind of things are ways that you can really liven up the home. Singing um, together in the home, singing praises, singing psalms, uh, singing hymns together. Um, letting, if your wife plays piano like we do, Brie plays the piano and we get the kids together and we do family worship, we we sing songs together. And that actually is a way to lift up the heart and to bring us joy. And the reason that it does that is that communion. It's the, the nearness to God. That we're retuning and reorienting our minds to where they should be reminding ourselves of the gospel, always coming back to the fact that we have this good news, we have this reason to rejoice. No matter where you're at, you do have a reason to rejoice, and that reason is that Christ, our God in Christ, is reconciling the world to himself. That's amazing news, and even if you just found out that you have cancer, Um, if you find out that your dad had a heart attack and passed away, if you find out whatever it is, you still have that same reason that remains all the time, at your fingertips to rejoice in and to bring you fullness of joy.